The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. Welcome to 1874, the Athletics podcast all about Aston Villa Football Club. Joined as ever by Greg Evans and Holly Percival. How are we, team? I'm good. I'm average. We try one at a time, Holly. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You you go first. You go first. I'm average. Hopefully, Holly's better. Well, I wasn't asking you about your work, Greg. I was asking you how you work. I'm still average. (laughs) Oh. Okay, fair enough. Holly, I feel like we're slipping a little bit into early podcast territory with three defeats in yeah a row. i mean i i don't want to go back to old habits of being this bad kind of juju but uh, yeah it's not going well no it's okay but there are extenuating circumstances that i'm sure we'll come on to later on in the podcast but let's start on a positive note massive massive signing i think when we were doing the podcast last week greg i don't think there was really much word of Coutinho. i think it broke after we'd done 1874 last week but an absolutely amazing signing for Villa, the third most expensive footballer in the world. He's going to be playing at Villa Park on Saturday for Villa. <laughs> yeah, it's really exciting, isn't it, for the supporters? Um, yeah, I have to admit, caught me a little bit by surprise. Um, wasn't wasn't a transfer that I was aware of, um, and and I'd had, I'd actually had conversations with with people connected to the club uh, about Coutinho in the in the build up to to the days that it broke, and, and the suggestion then was that it wouldn't have been a deal that that they were particularly. Um, confident at getting done. So the fact that they did get it done was was very impressive and just um, another marker of, of what Steven Gerrard can do at this club and, and the players that he can that he can bring in. And yeah, I think the fans will be really excited to see him on, on Saturday. Yeah, it's really fun, well, not funny, but you know, strange seeing Philip Coutinho in an Aston Villa shirt yesterday, Holly, as it was all unveiled. Number twenty three, Philip Coutinho. It's mad, madness, really. Not really some something. It's probably something that Villa fans would have dreamed of at the start of the transfer window, if you were to be told, who's a, a signing you'd like to make that's probably a little bit unrealistic, but you you might be able to get Coutinho, probably would have been top. Yeah, I mean, I think my, like, child fan Aston Villa brain last night was was super excited to see him and was, um, when I initially saw the photos, obviously he was holding the shirt, like, frontwards towards the camera, so you didn't know what number he was, so I actually went straight to the website to Google what number he would have before the club announced it um, and was just very excited and I was like am I about to buy a Coutinho shirt for the six months that he's at the club but I, I didn't do it straight away because I knew that I needed to put like my professional brain on and go let's wait and let's actually see what he offers Villa because there is no guarantee that he's going to be the player that he used to be with Liverpool and what he also achieved at Bayern Munich so I'm trying to calm myself down after the photos from last night and, and listening to him talk about Aston Villa but I agree with what Greg said it, it just kind of shows what Villa fans have always said, which is that Villa is a really big club and has so much history behind it. And having Steven Gerrard at the club has kind of put Villa back on the map a little bit more. And that's been proven by signing Coutinho. So I'm very excited to see what he brings on Saturday. I will probably end up getting one of those shirts, I would say, probably by the end of today, probably straight after we've done this podcast, if I'm being perfectly honest. But Greg, it's it's an amazing signing. As Holly says, you know, it kind of not puts Villa on the map, but it makes people stand up and take notice that Villa can attract this kind of player to the football club. But we said this when we did our Twitter spaces last week. Without Steven Gerrard, Villa don't get Philip Coutinho. No, they don't. And and it's interesting what Holly says. I think I think she's right. Can't get carried away yet with him because it, you know. It hasn't worked out for him in the last couple of years. It hasn't been great. Um, he's been really poor, actually, at Barcelona, to be honest. So there is a big big rebuilding job. So 
as exciting as it is and as big of a name as it is, and yes, it will help attract other players because it does show Aston Villa's ambition, um, we still need to wait and see what the actual player can do. Um, got an interesting set of teeth, hasn't they? Which I noticed uh, during the interview. Very, very, very white. They're bright, they are brighter than my thing. future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm all for a, for a nice white set of teeth, but bloody hell, I mean, they, they really did uh, stick out. <laughs> hopefully, he's, uh, hopefully his feet are as good as his teeth still are. So, yeah, look, I, I, I am excited to see him play. And, and, and to answer your question, Dan, um, without Gerard, no, Villa wouldn't have got that deal done. And yeah, he's still relatively young, 20, 29 years old. Um, I think you compared him been very close to Mo Salah in terms of his age, which is accurate and correct. But he has got a big rebuilding job to be done. He's got to come in and, and hit the ground running because if he doesn't... And look, you know, I think we spoke about it on Twitter spaces, didn't we? It was very, very low risk. Financially, it is low risk. But for Steven Gerrard, it's a big risk. If it goes wrong, that's his first signing and the signing that he really pushed the boat out to get... And, you know, his reputation will go down a little bit if he doesn't work. But look, the, the reaction to Coutinho signing when, when Gerald was asked questions about him is a very positive one. And he's got absolutely no doubts that he'll, that he'll come and do it for Villa. So we'll see what happens. But there'll be no one better to rebuild him than Steven Gerrard. Some, someone that knows him, someone that enjoyed playing with him, has, has seen him at his best at Liverpool before he got his move to Barcelona, Greg. Yeah. You know, from that, from that point of view... That that's exciting. Yeah, and and look, you, you you want your players to be happy and and working under managers who believe in you. And Gerard certainly believes in Coutinho. Be interesting to see what interesting to know what Buendia thinks of all this because just feel like he's starting to to come into his groove a little bit. And um, you know, will he be the one that that suffers from this? We'll have to wait and see. I mean, they could both play a bit behind Watkins, behind Ings. You know, I could see them too. Actually, the way we're playing football at the moment, the short, sharp, incisive passing, I can actually see those two linking up quite well, Buendia and Coutinho. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, it's quite, it's quite bold and brave to go to go for that. I think. Um, you know, we've been saying all season, Watkins and Ings haven't been able to play together. Are we going to get to the stage where we say Coutinho and, and Buendia can't play together? Does that leave Villa a little bit light defensively? Um, it's hard to know, isn't it, until until we've seen it. There was a lot of encouraging signs from Villa's play, I thought, at, at Man United, and and they just needed that final killer touch in the final third. And 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 if Coutinho can add a bit of quality in those areas, then maybe it might make a real big difference. The system Villa play, Holly, with the two narrow tens behind behind the striker most of the time, that's going to suit him being on the left hand side of that. There's possibly going to be an, a new left back overlapping when he cuts inside. You know that that could be a really dangerous area of the pitch for Villa now going forward. Yeah, and I, I mean, again, it's it's such an exciting prospect because I think it allows Gerard the kind of fluidity to try out a couple of different formations. I'd be really interested, like you said, to see those kind of two narrow tens and like a, a almost like a four-two-two-two role. Um, or, you know, perhaps he tries out a, a 4-2-3-1 as well. So I think it gives Gerard those options and, and potentially, like you said, a new left back could just add bolster to that left-hand side and, and really kind of add pressure in the final third because Villa have been showing presence there. It's just, like Greg said, it, it's that final touch. It's that final element that Villa have really been missing out on. And, you know, I think signing such a big name such as Coutinho could really also maybe the thing that players like Ollie Watkins needs who just needs that kind of new player to, to really push them on and provide that little extra bit of, of magic so I, I'm really excited to see how Gerard lines up on the weekend and, and see what Coutinho has to offer 
different type of player to Jack Grealish, Greg, but I know we made three signings in the summer to replace Jack. That hasn't quite come to fruition yet. Is this more of a, a like-for-like like replacement, despite the differences the players have? We're now on to uh, signing number four, aren't we, trying to, uh, to replace Jack Grealish? I mean, you know, how, how long does this go on for for Villa? How, how long do we keep saying... When are we going to get somebody who who, who can who can give Villa what what Jack Grealish did? Um, slightly, they are slightly different players. I think that the players around Coutinho, if he can get back to what we know he can produce, if he can get back to that level, um, the players around him will benefit in a similar way that the players did when when Grealish was around. Um, I was really impressed with Watkins at the um, against Man United. Th- thought thought <laughs> other than him not actually scoring. Um, and, and he came very close, obviously, got one in the net that was ruled out for offside and then uh, the one that struck the bar, which he probably should have done better with. I just thought his all-round play was, was excellent um, and I feel like with the right player alongside him, he could be elevated even higher. Um, so it's interesting, but yeah, it's hard to keep saying, isn't it? Is this next player going to be the, the Grealish replacement? Because I just don't think you can replace him. He was just so special and unique for Villa. But it's a, it's a, it's a dangerous player, isn't it? It's a player who's got a lot in, in his locker. I think you raise an interesting point there about Watkins. I think he actually has suffered from Jack not being in the Villa team. He's not looked as, as dangerous as perhaps he did last season. I think Grealish not being there, people talk about it affecting target. I actually think it has affected Watkins as well. So that's a it's an interesting point. Greg, who else is coming in now? Because Villa now become a more exciting proposition for players that perhaps may not have considered joining Villa. They see Philip Coutinho rocking up at Villa Park and I think, oh, actually, I might have a bit of that as well. Uh, yeah, Luca Dean, who who I reported over the weekend from Everton. Um, we said, we were, the Athletic reported that he was in advanced talks over the weekend. Um, believe that, that Sunday was a key day because... You know, we became aware that that Dean knew that he was interested in going to Villa. Um, those talks have since progressed. We, we expect that move to happen. Um, you know, really interesting one. Villa, as I said, also reported that are looking for a, another goalkeeper. Don't think the the plan necessarily is to get rid of Jed Steer at this point or to move him out on loan. I think it's just to strengthen the the goalkeeping department. Um, you know, we we forget that Tom Heaton left in the summer. Villa are effectively a, a senior goalkeeper down. So Stephen Gerrard and his team would like to have two senior goalkeepers backing up Emmy Martinez. Um, expect one to come in this week or, or next week. Darren Randolph was a name who, who, who was linked. You know, We know there was some interest there from Villa, um, but they are still looking at other options. So I don't rule that out yet. Um, and it, look, we, we're probably going to expect a centre-back at some point, aren't we? Just because they're so light down there. Joe Gomez is a player who, who Villa like, but, but, but won't be able to get out of Liverpool in this window. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me perhaps if, that, if they moved for, for a player on loan. Um, or look to get some sort of short-term cover until the end of the season and then perhaps move for for a, for a longer-term target in the summer. Kind of just makes sense, doesn't it? They just need to bolster the numbers yeah, in that yeah, area def- more than anything. They're definitely low on, on defensive numbers, as is at, at the moment. Before, obviously, Dean hasn't signed at the moment. I think we've got six senior defenders. I mean, that's, yeah. that's low numbers, isn't it? You get a couple of injuries, you've got no one on the bench. I mean, we saw the other day with a 16, 17-year-old sat on the bench, so we're def- definitely low there. What about Basuma, Greg? Andy Naylor's done a piece on Basuma on the Athletic, I think. Look, I, I don't want to be eating my words again because I said the same around Coutinho, that I'd be very surprised if that happens. I'd be even more surprised if, if, if Basuma came in this window, purely because 
Brighton Brighton are looking for fifty million pounds. Well, they're not even looking to sell him first and foremost. But if 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 they are they are aware that there's interest, as as Andy Naylor, our Brighton reporter, um, reported over the weekend, and and Brighton's take is well, if there wasn't any interest in in, our, in one of our best players, then we'd be a little bit surprised anyway. There's been no bid. There's been no sort of concrete um, registering of an interest from from Villa, and Brighton will only let him go for around fifty million pounds. You know, they, they certainly won't entertain anything less than forty forty million pounds. And and are Villa prepared to go and make um, him their most expensive signing in this window? Not sure they are. But we'll wait and see again. I feel like I keep saying we'll wait and see, sitting on the fence very much. But, um, you know, I don't want to be burnt too much by saying it definitely won't happen. But I'd be very surprised if it did in this window. We did a bit on Basum yesterday on the Transfer Podcast, Holler. 18 months left on his contract. That feels like one for the summer or maybe even the summer after, doesn't it? Yeah, we said that yesterday. I just... I agree with Greg. I don't see them sp- spending the amount of money that's kind of being asked around Dean and Basuma. So I think the left back seems the more viable option for Villa. So I'm fine with with waiting for Basuma. I didn't. I think he would be a good signing, but I don't think he's a, as much of a must need compared to a left back. So yeah, I just don't see Villa spending that much money in this window. And you know, we come 12 months left on his contract in the summer, maybe the, the asking price is, is much, much lower and, and Brighton might also be more, more willing to spend and, and buy a different player to replace him in the summer as well. And, it, and it's just it's just still stockpiling players as well at the moment, isn't it? As, yeah, Basuma would come in and improve Villa. There's, there's no doubt about that. He He's a better defensive midfielder than what Villa have got. But you look at that midfield area and there are still so many players in there. Okay, not so much defensive midfielders, and um, but there are still a lot of midfielders. And what does that do for, for Nakamba, who, who's out injured and might not play again today, Paul May, anyway? Um, does that does that kind of you know, end his Villa career almost? Do, do you say, well, he's surplus to requirements now, we'll have to move him on in the summer? Um, but then you're you're trying to move him on and, and might not be willing to get the, the money that you paid for him. You've got Sanson, who was signed only 12 months ago and has, has made, what, 11 or 12 appearances. Um, you, you wouldn't get your money back for him at the moment, would you? Because he hasn't improved it over the last 12 months. Um, and then you're also blocking the pathway potentially of other players who are coming through. Does does it mean that Jacob Ramsey, Connie Chukwemeka, okay, slightly different positions, don't get as much game time and that then affects one or two of their futures? I, d- I don't know. Look, there's lots to weigh up at the moment. Um, and I, I just it just doesn't feel like the, the, t- the right time for Villa to go and do that unless they can move other players on. And when you look at the players that they've got available, there isn't that much... There aren't no real standout players other than other than Al Ghazi, who does have some serious interest from Everton, um, who, who you think, yeah, we could definitely move them on right now. Trezeguet and Birch and Traore, perhaps one of them might go, but, you know, are you going to get your money back for them again straight away? Probably not. You know, the, nobody's going to come in and pay £19 million for Birch and Traore, are they, straight away? And, and do you get... Um, do you get ten million plus for Trezeguet? Probably not either. So, Villa need to make sure that they um, move players on and um, get some decent money back for them. We'll have a bit more transfer chat later, and don't forget the thirty-three percent discount is back. You can get a third off a subscription to the Athletic at theathletic.com/villapod. 
And The Athletic are recording daily transfer shows, as Holly and I have just mentioned, bringing you exclusive news and insight on any deals during the January transfer window. The only place you can hear these podcasts is on The Athletic app if you're a subscriber or by subscribing to The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. You can also start a free trial of that today if you haven't done so already. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's move on to the FA Cup game on Monday then and a few bits that are retained in the script from last week, Holly. Has Dan calmed down? No. <laughs> Still very upset with the Manchester United result on Monday. How are you feeling about it? First of all, I'm glad that you referred to yourself as Dan rather than just saying have I calmed well, down. It, it, it was it, nice. It is my yeah. name. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just read the script. <laughs> uh, I'm, I've calmed down from it now. I, I, I know that there's varying opinions on the podcast about kind of what happened in the game, but I... It's it's one of those. I feel like at this point now I'm like right. It's fine. We played. I I think we played better than Man United in in pretty much every aspect, other than actually scoring a goal that was allowed. Um, so I, I'm I'm more optimistic for for this weekend's match, if anything, because I I think we can beat them. And to be honest, I wouldn't say obviously Ronaldo could well be back in the starting eleven. Um, but I don't feel like Ronaldo is having that big of an impact for United right now. So I, I'd actually, again... Famous last words. Yeah, 100%. But, I, you know, I'd kind of still back us, even though United are likely to have Ronaldo in the starting 11 on the weekend. So it took a while. I was frustrated. I was watching the, the game on the side while, while streaming Football Manager. And I was literally, I just stopped everything and was like, what is going on? And after about a minute, I just stopped watching because I, I knew that they weren't going to allow it. You could just tell from the way that they were addressing every little detail that it was just never going to get given. So I just I just stopped listening and I stopped looking and, and just waited for the game to carry on because at the time it, it was very frustrating and I just wanted it to, I just wanted us to have the ball at our feet again and be playing and try and get a goal. But I think it kind of really took the momentum out of the team. So frustrating. Well, I don't think anybody sums it up as well as the guys at the Villa podcast. So let's play that clip in now and see how they described it. Mr. Oliver, this is your VAR speaking. Do not panic. We're going to get you out of this. <laughs> I'm going to speak to my assistant VAR for a second, okay? Assistant VAR, can you confirm that Ollie Watkins is offside? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, look again. <laughs> he, he he doesn't even touch it. Oh, for f- is Danny Ings offside? <laughs> no. Is there a handball? But. <laughs> By who? By anyone! Doesn't 
look like it? Honestly, how hard does this have to be? Is there anything else that you can give me? <laughs> um, th- there's a there's a Cavani dive. Really? Great. <laughs> but but yeah, not, does does he go to ground? Yeah, but well, why didn't you say so, Mister Oliver? It is now safe to proceed to the monitor. <laughs> Love those guys. So, so funny. Their podcast is well worth checking out. So if you haven't done so already, check out the guys at the Villa podcast because they have a laugh every week and are so, so funny. Although this is absolutely no laughing matter at all, Greg. Although I've got a feeling, as usual, you're about to upset me with your opinion on it. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to upset you. Um, look, VAR is a shambles. You know, I was sitting in Old Trafford for for four minutes wondering what the hell was going on and and so was everybody else around me we had a, we had a small little well we had there was a screen that was saying they were checking for a possible offside um obviously we, we saw the replays continually of 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 the officials trying to see whether um the ball had touched ollie watkins on on the way through to danny ings and and, and look you know initially we thought well has it touched him has it hasn't it touched him if it has it's offside if it hasn't then it's not um and the goal stands and then the fact that they went and found something else was just so frustrating because you you thought, well, how didn't they see that initially? You know, what what? Well, you ch- should check the first incident you know, first. What, what, why didn't they see that initially? And Stephen Gerrard was right. You know, he said the actual the actual reason for the goal being disallowed was not that complex for it to take three and a half minutes for it to be decided that it shouldn't have been ruled out. When you look back at it in that incident alone, I've got no issues with it. It was the right decision. And, and Stephen Gerrard, Stephen Gerrard admitted it as well. He had no issues with no, it. No, no, He no. had no issues with the decision. He had issues with the time that it take, that it took. Um, and Villa have got previous for this, you know, you know, I've looked back over a lot of Villa set pieces over these last few Months and 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 they do this regularly and they get away with it. Jacob Ramsey's allowed to stand on the football pitch. Of course, he's he's not allowed to block an opponent, and he's blocking an opponent, and it's a tactic, and it's been caught up, unfortunately. But that happens all the time. It happens all the time. That'll, ne- that'll never be a goal. That'll get... never ever be a goal from a corner or a free kick if that's being disallowed for that, because that happens every set piece, every you, time. You, you can't block a player. You can't stop a. But you're standing still. You can't stop a player, but. But you can stand still and still move. It's part of the blocking procedure. No. Okay, you're telling me if that ball, if that free kick comes in, and Cavani is standing there, and exa- and Ramsey runs into Cavani, you're telling me Villa get a penalty? <laughs> well, if it goes to VAR, they will. Yeah. No, they won't. They would never have got a penalty for that because it's soft as. Uh, look, no, it, look don't on. get me wrong. It's soft. I'm, I'm not denying it's soft. Oh. But the VAR are checking it, and and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna give it. But they're just desperate. They're just desperate to find something. They're trying to find an offside. They couldn't find that. Try to find a handball. They couldn't find that. So they then go back and look for something that happened first, which is the first thing they should be mm. looking at because that was the first thing that happened. Well, well yeah. I mean, the, the point I'm trying to make is the VAR is a shambles. It's taking so long. And and yeah, look, it's so annoying if you're going through every single passage of play and you're thinking it does feel like it certainly, especially at Man United when Villa were there. It does feel like. <laughs> the officials are trying to find something to to rule the goal out. I'm I'm not denying that, but if you take that individual incident alone, it's it, it's right to be pulled up for me. And and Stephen Gerrard agreed. 
He had no issues. Steven Gerrard's wrong. He had no issues with the defender. He had no issues with the decision, purely because he probably knows that Villa have been trying that every game anyway. Well, Steven Gerrard, if you're listening, I don't like that from you either. I'm I'm going to put my popcorn down to to slightly agree with Greg here because... Oh, come on, Holly, (laughs) get in the bin. (laughs) Well, no, I I agree. I I think you see those fouls anywhere on the pitch and I think that they do get given. However, I think for me, I would have liked VAR to see the angle in terms of how close Cavani actually was to to Konza and that run and and the and the kind of the flight of the ball because I don't know in my mind surely they have to take into consideration what the likelihood is of of Cavani actually interfering with with the ball and, and the play that's happening and I think from that that angle of being behind Cavani and watching the two come together you can't tell how close Cavani is to to Konza and and potentially stopping that play from happening and I, I, in terms of VAR I think. I don't know, was there two phases of play within that whole set piece? Can you go between multiple phases of play? Like, for me, I don't know, even working in the industry, what clarity there is and what the rules are around how many times VAR can go through and, and check different things. I, it, like we said, it, it was too tedious, it was too time-consuming, and it, it did get to the point where it felt like they were just looking for any form of error to, to undo the goal, so... Again, I'd slightly agree with Greg, so I apologise, Dan. But yeah, it's it's frustrating when it's your own team, isn't it? And you have that little bit of bias. But I think you anywhere else on the pitch, you do see those those given in those circumstances annoyingly. Also, when the foul is made, well, when the, when the collision happens, the ball goes in the back of the net. There's images of Cavani looking at the ref, putting his hands up in the air as if to say, "Is that not a foul?" And Mark Oliver goes, "No, <laughs> did he? I missed that. Is that, is that so? So is that a clear? Is that?" I'm sorry, is that a clear and obvious error that's had to go and be overturned? Well, well, Again, well, no, that makes no sense. No, it's not. And that, and, so there we go. And that's why, so the goal that's why VAR is a shambles. And, and, and none of us are denying that. We've been talking about this for years now. It's ridiculous. It's just ruining it for football supporters as well. Anybody who's in the ground, A, doesn't know what the hell's going on. And B, is just, you know, so frustrated, vexed almost at the end. It's just ridiculous. But, but look, we can talk about VAR for as long as you, for as long as I will talk about like, it. Like Dan, it's not the issue. Villa need to move away from that. They've lost four out of the last five games. They need to start winning. They need to start scoring. They need to start taking the chances. Yeah, they've missed a lot of chances. Take that. Take that. You know, that's an isolated incident. Which yeah, went against them. Although, not totally. Just you know, in, in very controversial circumstances. But there are bigger issues here that Villa need to face. And Gerard mentioned that as well. You know, fair play to him. I, re- I really like the way he comes out after games and doesn't focus on issues that are out of Villa's control, i.e. VAR. And he focuses on what Villa can do to make things better. And that's what you want to hear from a manager. You know, I was I was genuinely so impressed with Villa, and I thought there's 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 no way they deserve to lose that game. But they can't just keep being these plucky losers. And if you remember, and uh, this isn't a loaded comment in any way, you know, I'm just taking it purely for how it is. But Gerrard's now lost to Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, Man United. Dean Smith, who came under a lot of criticism, kept beating all those teams. You know, the only team he didn't beat was Man City. So Villa need a decent result somewhere because Villa have lost five of the nine games under Gerrard now. And what a perfect place it would be to get that on Saturday. And we're, I'm actually confident. I think we all are, aren't we? I think we all My feel answer, like Villa, yeah. Villa will go there and uh, Villa will go in and get get a win there. If Man United play like they played, then they've got no chance. Yeah, well, I've, I've said on another podcast that I, do, I can't go on Saturday. I'm a stag do. So 
I've been to every Villa Manchester United game at Villa Park since 1994. Haven't seen them win since 1995. Want to desperately be there and see them beat Manchester United, so you can put your house on that they'll win on Saturday. Absolute guarantee. I've never been more confident of Villa winning a game in my entire life. Didn't really get time to talk about the fact that more VAR drama that you know constantly got hit in the face, bleeding. I didn't even get looked at, in my knowledge. Did that get looked at, Greg? Did anything come up on the little screen? No, 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 nothing. No check as far well, as we're not. aware. Of course not. I mean, that's fine, isn't um, it? Which again, you know, very another frustrating thing. It's Luke Shaw, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah, not looked at. No, that's fine. Manchester United players can do what they like. Just the Villa players that can't stand still and just exist in this earth. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's move on to transfers now. So much transfer news this week. We're going to have a second run at it. So Axel Twanzaby, you touched on it, Greg. Off he pops. Loan cancelled. New loan off at Napoli now for him. A good good move for him, to be fair, because he isn't getting any football at Villa Park. But there does seem to be some sour grapes going around. I think he wanted it to work, didn't he? It's very rare that you see um, a player move to a club f- on three different occasions and, and not make the deal permanent. Um, I think there are only a handful of other examples of, of, of that happening and, and typically the player tends to, to join the club permanently in the end. Um felt like Twanzebi went through quite a lot with, with Villa. You know, three loan spells. Prob- I think Was he the last player to come in under the Tony Shar era? Think he might have been, you know. Uh, yes, and it may be grabbing. Yeah. Okay. So, so one at one of the final ones to come in under under the Tony Shaw era. So he would have seen all, you know, that chaos, um, and then obviously part of the the promotion winning team and, and 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 played a really big role in in those final games. But then when he came back this year, Dean Smith had promised him game time. I think the plan was to play with three at the back. That was that was ditched very quickly. Because of you know the results dictated that, um, and then when Gerard came in, he got eight minutes in eight games, so it was understandable why he thought that his short-term future needed to be changed. Um, he's, he's twenty-four years old now; he's, he's not recognised as that young player anymore, and he'll, he'll only have twelve months on his Man United deal at the end of this season. So he needed to go and play games. He didn't get those assurances at Villa. Yeah, I think there are a, there are a little bit of frustrations there because you know he expected to come there and play, um, but he got a really exciting move over to Napoli, didn't he? Fair play to him. He, he might become a Serie A winner, um, and 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 they're still in the Europa League. So it'll be interesting to see how well he does. It's almost like bad loan, good loans. His first loan wasn't great. Got injured. Played a game at left back, if I remember, but didn't really do much at all. Then a good loan. We got promoted. Bad loan this time next round. 
fourth time is the one. We'll be back to good loan when he when he comes back next season. So yeah, needs another loan at Villa Park to get to get his his run going. El Ghazi to Everton, we've probably probably already covered. Be a decent deal for Villa that, wouldn't it, Holly? Because it would kind of negate a lot of the money towards Luca Dean. Yeah, I think financially and stuff, it wouldn't be too bad. I don't think we'd get a massive amount of profit from selling El Ghazi for what we bought him for. But I I kind of thought this last night when I saw the news. I, I mean, right now. I would prefer to keep El Ghazi over the likes of Trezeguet and Traore. Um, so hopefully both of those come back from AFCON much better and, and kind of revitalised because they both have obviously come back from injuries and, and not been quite up to scratch. And I mean, I'm still, if I'm honest, mad at Trezeguet for that god-awful dive. Um, so hopefully if El Ghazi does go, they kind of come back and, and fill that kind of role and, and are useful players off the bench um, because I really don't see them starting. But I... I El Ghazi's a favourite for me, so I will be sad to see him go. Yeah, done a lot for the club, scored a lot of important goals, had a good season last time round again, scored some really important goals, scored at Wembley for Villa in the game, we got promoted, so yeah, he's been a good servant to the club and really, for the money we paid for him, has been a good signing and justified that transfer fee. Kane Kessler's back in the building, Greg. I think Villa are kind of going to review over the next few weeks, but it looks like Steven Gerrard was really impressed with him in Swindon's FA Cup tie against Manchester City. Yeah. He should offer some genuine competition to catch. Yeah, yeah, that was it. You know, he, he watched the game, um, he watched the uh, the Swindon game against Man City and kind of thought, wow, wh- wh- why isn't this guy in our building? You know, if he, if he can play so well against elite opposition like that, let, let's have a closer look at him. So the call was made immediately after the, the 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 game on the Friday night, Kessler returned on the on the Saturday back back training now with the first team. So um, Gerard's going to have a closer look at him for a couple of weeks uh, if he feels that he can provide genuine competition in the fullback areas. He'll be integrated into the first team squad for for the remainder of this season. Um, if they feel he's not quite at the level, then he'll go back on loan. Obviously, Swindon will, will jump at the chance of of taking him, but. I believe there'll be a couple of, of League One and, and, and Championship clubs interested in him as well. So that might appeal too. But yeah, po- positive signs, you know, out of all the players that, that Villa have got coming through, he, he's the one who I firmly believe will, will, will get some first team minutes in the future. Yeah, comedian Ivo Graham and Swindon fan wasn't happy. He tweeted, you don't play that well on the telly and not get recalled. I think he's probably right. Aaron Ramsey as well. Again, something we covered on the transfer podcast for The Athletic yesterday, Holly. He's gone to Cheltenham on low. Good move for both that because I think he's a very good player and I think he'll do well there. Yeah, like you said, we spoke about it yesterday. Cheltenham are 14 points off the playoffs. So, uh, you know, Aaron could go in and, and make a real positive impact uh, in the midfield area for them who are, and hopefully help them push to the playoffs. So I think he probably knows and is aware of that potential pathway for him, similar to his brother Jacob, and, and knows that, you know, the next few months at Cheltenham will be really important in terms of what happens for him in the very near future. So... Hopefully he has a really good loan spell and, and comes back and, and is breaking into the first team. Yeah, I saw a journalist get very confused on Twitter yesterday thinking that they'd signed Jacob Ramsey. He was like, I can't believe that we've got Gerard's go-to guy oh, on loan. He's looked good every time I've seen him. Yeah, so I think there, there was one journalist who got very, very confused. Not up to the standard of global Greg Evans at all. There's been so much to get through today. We didn't have time to talk about Josh Feeney, but Greg, you did do a, an article around him, didn't you? And his sudden rise to the bench for the Athletic, which was a good read. Yeah, really nice, really nice story to to put together. So, something I enjoyed doing. Um, spoke to some of his old uh, coaches at, at Fleetwood Town, um, who, who were really complimentary of him. 
and it's quite interesting, you know, when you speak about when you hear about these young players and, and you speak to people that know them. Obviously, a lot of them are, are, you know, singing their praises. But everybody I speak to about Josh Feeney are so, so insistent that he's going to make it. They, they believe that he's got a really good support network around him. He's, he's a very grounded player, um, and and he's he's basically overachieved at every age group that that he's been in. Um, and when he was at Fleetwood, you know, they tested him in the under twenty threes when he was just a fifteen year old, and he came through shining there. They played him in some of these um, uh, like mini tournament games against older pros, and and he did really well there. Um, and look, he was probably a little bit fortunate that he got on the bench because Sil Swinkles and Lamar Bogard, who were both a year older than him, um, were both away uh, in Holland as part of their Christmas sort of break. Um, and obviously Villa had quite a few absentees. Tyron Mings was injured, uh, sus- sorry, suspended. So he was literally the next go-to, you know, he was, he was the go-to guy, the only real option um, that Villa had available. But don't underestimate you know, he, his journey, he's he's moved from Fleetwood to Villa and played almost every minute at under 23 level as a 16-year-old, which is some achievement really because that, that doesn't happen. You, you don't move from a League 2 Category 3 academy club uh, and then go straight into a Cat 1 under 23 team. Um, so yeah, exciting times. We'll, we'll, we'll see what he can do. Have you got any other articles coming up, Greg, that you can talk about? Um... Do you know what? It feels very much day to day in 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 January at the moment, just because that's true. Just because there's so much going on, you know, it's not really a month to to, to plan ahead. Because um, just there's so much going on at Villa, you know, just trying to get on top of the transfers, ins and outs, and and, and giving the readers as much info around that. So yeah, that's it. If you want to be there when Greg is all over the Villa transfer news, if you head to theathletic.com slash villapod, you'll be able to read about it first and get a 33% discount if you're not already subscribed. That's it for today. As I say, I won't be there Saturday, but I fully expect and demand retribution against dirty Manchester United and dirty VAR. Let's get the three points for the Villa on Saturday. Have a great rest of the week and as always, up the Villa. Athletic.